Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it is with great pleasure that we bring you the latest of all things cruise news. We've got a great show lined up for you. In just a minute, Chris will be joining us to uh, talk about all things maritime history. In fact, we've got a great question from Ross in the UK, which will uh, round out uh, maritime history. And then uh, myself and Chris will bring you the latest cruise news. Quick shout out and thank you to Anthony White for his very generous donations via Buy Me A Coffee. Those of you familiar with the show will be aware that uh, Buy Me A Coffee is how we uh, fund the the podcast. And it's with with the help of you listeners that uh, we were able to to bring you this podcast every week. So thank you to those of you who have supported in the past. And of course, to our most recent donation from Anthony as well. If you would like to be a part of the show with a listener question, then of course you can send that through via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, click on Join the Show. And uh, that's also where you can send uh, information if you want to uh, let us know about a cruise review. If you're on a cruise right now, a couple of you have been in touch, actually. Thank you to those of you that have to say that on your return, you would love to uh, chat about your cruise experience. And we welcome many, many more of you to do just that. And once again, just click on uh, Join the Show in the top right-hand corner of the website. That's thebigcruisepodcast.com. But let's get this show on the road. Let's get Chris on the line, and let's start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. And now it's time for the favourite part of the show, where our good friend and maritime historian gets to join us and talk all things cruise. Chris Frame, welcome back. Hey, Barry, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. And it's good, good to have you back uh, virtually uh, on air again with us, which is great. Uh, thank you for answering that question for us last week. Oh, that's and no uh, we 
we actually have another question for you this week, which I haven't actually pre-warned you of, so I'm going to mm-hmm. sp- throw this oh. at you, and uh, I think you'll know the answer. I'm going to be nervous when you do this. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a question from Ross in the UK, and he said to ask Chris, between Tilbury, Southampton, Portsmouth, and Dover, which port was historically the most popular for passenger shipping? Oh, actually, funnily enough, there's a couple there um, that – uh, I mean, obviously, if Ross wants to talk about those particular ports, that's fine. But there's actually a couple missing from that list, which historically were more popular than some of the ones that are there. Okay. Um, so uh, you probably not wouldn't surprise you, Baz, and probably not Ross as well, that these days Southampton is well and truly the most um, popular cruise port in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, Southampton actually started to overtake other ports as the primary shipping uh, passenger shipping port in the UK um, back in the turn of the 20th century, um, where Southampton started to get an ability to really capture many of the international shipping companies and to, to bring them into that port was mm-hmm. when they built their very long um, pier that they have or, or, the, or the berthing space that they have there by doing a land re- reclamation project. So okay. It's really quite fascinating, actually, uh, Baz, because if you think about the the Southampton layout, and people might remember um, seeing in the film uh, Titanic, for example, where the the ships are berthed there um, mm-hmm. with the with some of the Southampton historic buildings in the background. That part of the port had been quite well established, but um, moving up from from there, there was uh, land that, or actually water rather, that kind of kind of went in almost to where the Southampton railway station is, and okay. that whole area from there all the way up to where the piers are now, where the current um, Ocean Terminal and other um, Southampton cruise port uh, terminals are, that mm-hmm. was all reclaimed land. Um, mm-hmm. So if people know Southampton, that means that uh, land such as where um, parts of the uh, West Key Shopping Centre. The uh, big IKEA Carnival House um, and many of the big box stores that they have there um, by the cruise terminals and the hotels, such as the Holiday Inn and um, the Novotel, those buildings are all on land that was was um, was added in, was reclaimed. Oh, okay. Um, and so, because of that very big pier uh, or very big um, sort of long straight. Uh, quayside and good railway connections down from London, um, it was ideal for both cargo passengers and, of course, the boat train, which was quite famous for taking people from London's terminals to Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I mean, Portsmouth, for example, has always been, it's quite close to Southampton and it's always been a very um, busy port, but it's primarily a naval port. So yeah. it's, yep. yeah, so it, um, it has, you know, huge amounts of, of, um, passenger traffic going in and out. I mean, shipping traffic rather going in and out, but most of it is uh, naval vessels. Right. Dover uh, is very, very busy, but it's t- these days particularly, but also historically was primarily um, the ferry services across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dover to Calais and yeah. beyond. Yep. Have, you, have you done that? Yeah, many a time, yeah. Yeah, I've never done um, the, the trans-channel um, ferries. In fact, funnily enough, being a cruising person, most of the times I've actually flown, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, I guess a bit strange. But um, yeah, so Dover, of course, even to this day, very, very popular for that. Um, Tilbury is an interesting one because that's closer to London. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the Thames estuary. Yeah. And it, um, 
it was and still remains a, a passenger terminal. And even though in the early 20th century, big shipping lines such as um, White Star Line and then later um, Cunard uh, moved their primary embarkation ports to Southampton from other from other British ports. Mm-hmm. Um, Tilbury remained quite popular with P&O and with the Orient Line, uh, mm. which had smaller ships that operated um, for Orient Line's sake primarily to Australia. But um, but for P&O, they had, they had liners that went all, to all parts of the world um, across the, the British Empire, and they would have embarkation in Tilbury and then sometimes would pull in at Southampton to do a secondary embarkation there. But but in many oh. cases, they had fleets that would go into Southampton and fleets that would go into Tilbury. Now, the, one that's, the ones that are missing from Ross's list, if he's thinking about historic ports, um, is Liverpool. Of course. Um, of course, yep. Um, and that was c- closer to where I think um, where you grew up. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So um, it was an extremely busy port in the uh, 19th century and early 20th century. Um, and both White Star and and Cunard, for example, two big transatlantic British shipping lines, mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. Um, had headquarters and um, and and berths in Liverpool. White Star moved first to Southampton again when that pier was being constructed, or the, uh, the the berthing space there was being constructed, and also because of the connections to London. And then um, uh, Cunard actually moved in um, nineteen nineteen, which was. Um, you might remember in 2019 there was a QM2 anniversary voyage where it went across the Atlantic. Oh, yeah. I've, I've spoken about it a few times because I was, I was on board and that was the, the centenary of moving to Southampton. Um, and then the other one is Bristol. And oh, I wouldn't have picked that. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? So Bristol was actually the the first transatlantic ocean liner hub in so much as it was the port where the Great Western Steam Navigation Company operated from. And so the oh. Great Western and the Great Britain um, and then uh, other, other ships for other lines actually berthed and, and operated out of, um, out of Bristol. And Bristol, of course, being the way the, way the geography is, is actually a little bit of a challenging port to come in and out of. Um, the tides and the tidal yep. flows there yep. are quite um, significant. But interestingly enough, Baz, at Bristol, even to this day, they have the maritime connection. And if you go to Bristol, in the original dry dock where the um, Great Western Steam Navigation Company ships were built, mm-hmm. you can actually visit the Great Britain, which was uh, Brunel's remarkable ship. It had um, the screw propeller, so it was quite ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's still there. Well, it's there to this day as a, as a museum ship, and you can actually visit it in its original um, uh, dry dock where it was built. So wow, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. It was an absolute gem of a find uh, when we were there last, and it was just just wonderful. So, you know, um, if you look at the 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 list of mo- world's most popular ports, um, Southampton is definitely on the list. It's, it kind of gets overshadowed a little bit by some of the U- uh, U.S. Uh, and uh, Caribbean ports, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the UK, it, it's well and truly the most most popular out of those four um, and has been for quite some time. And if you had to pick one of those as your favourite port, I'm guessing probably Liverpool? Well, you know, interestingly enough, I've got a, I've got a um, lovely uh, connection with Southampton. I, mm-hmm. I, I have spent a lot of time in recent years 
um, with with Cunard and um, Carnival UK um, ships doing the lectures, mm. and they, they depart from Southampton and actually have a great relationship with the Sea City Museum there as well, oh, okay, um, yeah. and do lectures there. So, if, and Liverpool is amazing from a, from a historic point of view, but from a um, spent most time point of view, it would definitely be Southampton. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and, and I got very fortunate had the opportunity to to visit the um, Southampton um, archives where um, with the Sea City Museum, where there's um, thousands and thousands of archived documents and photographs and um, you wow. know pieces of memorabilia from the history of um, of the transatlantic liners and particularly Cunard and and White Star Lines. So um, wow. that was like uh, the most one of the most remarkable experiences. So yeah, I guess it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks, uh, Chris, for that. And thanks, Ross, of course, for sending in that great question. Uh, always really we, appreciate these. Before we move on, Baz, what, what would be your favourite out of all those ports? Uh, I actually haven't spent that much time in Southampton. I've had the, the, the only times I've ever been to Southampton, to be honest, is to get the uh, Isle of Wight ferry as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And then okay. more recently, the I've red, disembarked. The ferries, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah the Red yeah. Four. Um, but more recently, I have disembarked a ship, a couple of ships in, in Southampton. Mm. But I've probably spent more time in Liverpool, I would think, but just yeah. as day trips and walking around the, the docks and, and things there, which are yeah, yeah. beautifully maintained nowadays. You know what's interesting as well is that, like, even though in the early 20th century, White Star Line moved its headquarters and its um, express liners. So, of course, mm. the, these, these companies had these big express ships like, like the Olympic class, yeah. Um, of which Titanic was one, and Cunard had the Lusitania, Mauritania, and Aquitania, they're big express liners. Yep. But they had smaller ships that still operated from other ports, including Liverpool and including yep. um, uh, Tilbury. Um, but um, the the big express liners moved to Southampton for White Star and then in 1919 for Cunard, and yet they still had Liverpool as their port of registration. So oh, really? when you see, like, again, in Titanic in the film, um, the ship's pulling away from Southampton, which is a very famous departure, but on the stern of the ship you see Liverpool. And even though they were registered in Liverpool, um, they operated out of Southampton, but they never actually visited um, Liverpool. And in fact, the Queens, Elizabeth and Mary, mm-hmm. big famous liners that were iconic um, around the world, they were still registered in Liverpool and not once in their career did they visit the port. Oh, so wow. um, in 1990... QE2 visited Liverpool for the first time. She was registered in Southampton, but she went to Liverpool and and anchored off the in in the river off the Three Graces, of which one of the visitors is in our building in the Mersey there. Um, And something like a million people came out to see the ship because it was the first time a big express liner had come into Liverpool um, (laughs) in a very long time. (laughs) <laughs> and then of course a couple of years ago they had the the three queens in Liverpool for the must they have been a, a, a milestone of some sort that uh, uh, back in the day it was their 175th anniversary back in 2015 can you believe uh, how much time has passed ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, seems like yesterday crazy yes anyway <laughs> we should probably get onto cruise news Baz before we run out of time <laughs> thanks again Ross for that uh, and Chris uh, learned something yet again from you which is always great going to take a quick break and we'll be back as you say with the latest cruise news
Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, if you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, we use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, and in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, and in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about... 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it so it's a, a great little bonus there and uh, once again it's about four Aussie dollars um, one coffee multiple coffees you decide but every little donation is greatly appreciated and just a reminder you can find the link uh, to buy me a coffee in the show notes on the website and uh, also via the buy me a coffee app thanks in advance be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Okay, Chris, uh, last week, uh, whilst we were recording the podcast, I forgot to mention to our great listeners that it was actually the International Day of the Seafarer. And of course, that was being celebrated on the ships and the fleets of various of every cruise line um, around the world. Uh, but it was a particularly important day because on the same day, Celebrity uh, returned its 15th ship back into service. Yeah, so the 15th one, it was Celebrity Infinity, and she set sail um, on a Caribbean cruise departing from Fort Lauderdale, which is one of the world's most busiest ports. Mm. Um, and that, of course, departed on the 25th, as you say, on the, um, on the day of the seafarer. I was going to say, this is the, um, the, the, the whole fleet back in service now, right? Yes, that would be for a celebrity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and lots of great photos from all the different cruise lines celebrating uh, the Day of Seafarers and uh, all the work they do to uh, keep everybody safe, happy, and healthy um, mm. on board. So thank you to everybody. Um, we also had an historic encounter this week, Chris, with uh, P&O Cruises Australia, but it wasn't here in Australia. It was actually over in Italy. Yes, it was. So they had both Pacific Encounter and Pacific Adventure, which are their um, two, the two new ships for the P&O Australia fleet. Mm-hmm. Both of them are grand class uh, cruise ships, so over 100,000 tons, um, beautifully painted in the P&O Australia livery. And the two ships um, were alongside, by side with each other um, in Trieste. Uh, mm. And um, this was part of their um, sort of engineering wet dock um, checks uh, before moving down here to Australia. And I, I believe that was with Fincantieri as well, who was yes, the was. company that built them. So. Yeah, yeah. So back with their builders to have them all spruced up and ready for cruising in Australia. Yeah, and of course, when those uh, ships come back to Australia, we'll have Pacific Encounter departing on the 20th of August for a seven-night cruise out of Brisbane. Oh, so excited to see her coming into Australian waters. <laughs> um, Pacific Adventure <laughs> will be heading down a little bit later. She'll be welcoming her first guest on the 22nd of October for a three-night taster cruise out of Sydney. How fantastic. It looks mm. like Australian cruising is really coming back to normal, Baz. Oh, that's, it is. It is. And that's hearing great. so many great stories of people that have, have been on board. And uh, sticking with P&O, uh, they've mm. uh, just announced that uh, the tribute to the king is going to be extended even further with a few additional sailings. And, of course, that ties in with the, the current movie, of course. Yes, absolutely. So it's um, they, they had a, a sold. Well, they've got a sold out cruise in Ju- in July, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and so it's so popular. So they're um, going to add a few more uh, voyages to their list, including Brisbane and Auckland. 
Yeah. Melbourne, well December, Melbourne, actually. Yeah, Melbourne in December, Brisbane and Auckland in early 2023. And of course, you get all of your normal P&O experiences, but they actually bring on additional 14 entertainers and uh, have uh, dedicated tribute shows, movie marathons, 50s oh. and 60s, 70s dress-up themes and karaoke and trivia and all sorts of stuff happening around the ship. So uh, very, oh, very fantastic. popular, of course. <laughs> well, they'll do a good job with that. They it's will. very they fun will. on board, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Um, MSC have uh, announced that uh, it's time to bring back Gala Night. <laughs> yes, the relaunch of Gala Night, and it will feature um, uh, some celebratory events, uh, including a number of different things that we can you know, go into in detail in the show notes. But there's a pampering um, service, there's special shopping events, there's upscale dining experiences, and then, of course, there's theatre shows and entertainment. Yeah, so in a nutshell, on the, the, the gala evening, which will happen once during a cruise, the, the dining is elevated, the entertainment on board is elevated, and you're going to get the best of the best of MSC throughout your gala experience. But as Chris mentions, there is extra information in the show notes. Yeah. And sticking with MSC, and there is a lot of information in the show notes on this one, mm. um, they have uh, taken family cruising to the next level on board their next ship, MSC World Europa. Yeah, so she's their, their new ship. She's scheduled to come into service in December of this year. Mm. And we'll become the flagship. Um, and look, I mean, it's a, a bit of a change in the in the naming convention there as well. So I suppose it signifies quite a quite a different style of ship here mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, so uh, there's a whole heap of different uh, family friendly activities that are on board. Um, one of the things that they've highlighted in the information they provided to us was the kids clubs that they're yeah. going to have on the ships. And they've got a specialty club for babies. Then they've got one for the younger kids, which is called their mini club for so three to 11 years. And then for the older kids, that um, 12 to 17 years. And I think by splitting them into those sort of three age groups, they're going to try and, you know, make it so that each sort of age group has something that's quite age appropriate for them, yeah, um, yeah. which will be quite exciting. Um, and then the other one uh, that caught my eye is they've got a Lego celebration room, which yeah. I think you'll be struggling to keep the adults out of, to be quite honest, <laughs> because Lego is so much fun for everybody. Um, yeah, and, 90 years of play there, yeah. Yeah, can you believe it? 90 years that Lego's been, um, been around for, so that's amazing. <laughs> and loads of other activities and uh, things on board, including uh, Cabin 12006 Experience, uh, which is a live entertainment uh, mm. Thing that's going to be brought to the ship uh, additional dance crews uh, lego experience on board which is going beyond the bricks and of course they've got the msc foundation featuring junior ambassadors as well but as we say loads of information in the show notes if you want to read up on that one yeah um holland america of course will be celebrating its 150th anniversary people forget so you know all the history and heritage that goes with hell uh, this is happening in 2023 now they mm. did have a celebratory voyage planned it's sold out but they're bringing in a second one Yes, that's that's right. Um, so the um, new voyage is a eastbound um, crossing, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite exciting because, of course, that's how um, Holland America started. It was a transatlantic yeah. line, but this one's a little bit different. It's from Fort Lauderdale, and it ends in Rotterdam, and mm-hmm. actually is going to end there um, that voyage for the 150th anniversary, as you say. Yeah, so it's doing the same itinerary, but it's in reverse of what it would have done on its outbound voyage, uh, heading from Fort Lauderdale, then up to New York with a, a very unusual overnight stay, actually, for, for Hal, which is uh, great. And then That's really great across- in New York, though, because you can really go into the city from the piers there and, and make the most of the night in, in New York. So that's a great idea. 
Yeah, exactly. And then calling at uh, some of the ports we just talked about, actually, Plymouth and Dover before arriving into Rotterdam. Um, and again, all part of these uh, 150th anniversary celebrations that are planned for next year. And this new cruise is departing in October of 2023. Yeah, and their first trip that they that they had that you said was sold out, it's actually going to depart Rotterdam on the 150th anniversary of Rotterdam 1's mm. maiden voyage. That's right. So yeah. there's a lot of historic connection there, as you say. And Hal is... Um, you know, it's a very historic line that is unfortunately sometimes overlooked in the maritime history thing. So if you do have a, a Holland America maritime history related question, feel free to send it in. Yeah, challenge us, challenge Chris, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, to bring things up to date uh, to the modern era, Carnival Cruise Lines, as we know, has got a, a long uh, relationship with Guy Fieri, who's a uh, celebrity chef uh, and, I uh, guess, meat ambassador. Um, he's actually designed a couple of new uh, signature items for the, the Carnival fleet as they celebrate their birthday this year. And we're talking about the Thunderstruck Nacho Burger. <laughs> yes. So there's um, Guy's Burger Joints, which are on the Carnival Fleet. Very which is where popular. This will be, yeah, right. And this is where it will be um, uh, um, served, this particular special burger. And, of course, Thunderstruck Fun coming in from the Carnival um, brand positioning there, the Fun Chips. Um, and, of course, it's going to be um, sort of specially designed by the chef here, the toasted brioche bun with a famed 80-20 burger patty. Donkey sauce? I don't really. I'm not familiar with donkey sauce, Baz. I mean, yeah, maybe spicy sauce from memory. Spicy sauce. So there you go. Yeah. Um, and uh, super melty cheese, and then there's of course stacked with nacho seasoning. So it's kind of like a nacho experience in a burger. Sounds quite yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and on the three ships where they've also got the the guys pig and anchor smokehouse. Um, which is Carnival Horizon, Carnival Panorama, and Mardi Gras. He's also mm. introduced, and I had to look up what this was because I wasn't really sure, uh, Thunder Tots. Now, apparently Tots in North America are what we would refer to as uh, mini gems, um, the little round oh, paper. It's right. basically potatoes loaded up with different items from the smokehouse. And uh, yeah, there's Goodness. a little video. There's some links to the videos in the show notes. A lot of people really want to uh, see what uh, Guy Fieri is creating there. Well, there you go. <laughs> and next we'll take it up to the luxury level we're heading over to Seabourn and they have just taken delivery they've got the keys to their new all-butte ship Seabourn Venture yes and she has been designed with the PC6 Polar um, class hull mm. which allows her to uh, you know, be a bit more of an expedition vessel and go into some of those um, less you know travelled places around the world mm-hmm. particularly in the mm-hmm. uh, polar regions um, and she has these amenities such as the Zodiac cruises. There's hikes that are taken from the ship, um, nature walks, scuba diving, snorkeling. So she's taking that whole seaborne experience to the next level uh, yep. with this unique sort of design of ship. Um, she was built at the T. Mariotti shipyard in Genoa in Italy. Ah, I'm not familiar with that particular uh, shipyard. Is it part of no, Tintieri? I don't know. I don't think so, actually. Not sort of name that gets popped up every now and again. No, well, yeah. I, I, you, you know, um, maybe, I, maybe you've stumped me, but I'm pretty sure this one's separate from Fincantieri because all of the Fincantieri yards generally have the Fincantieri name in there. Yeah. Um, but now I'm worried that I'm giving the wrong information out. So. <laughs> we'll check and we'll come back if we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And at the end of the podcast. You have to listen to the end. <laughs> I'm sure it's a great shipyard and it's doing beautiful things because this is the first of two of those luxury vessels that will be uh, coming across to, to Seabourn. And uh, last but by no means least, we've had uh, a little uh, gr- great bit of news from Helsinki this time from the shipyard there. Um, some of the listeners may be aware of the uh, confusions that have been around with Swan Hellenic and the the ownership of their new vessel, the Vega. 
Um, Chris, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but basically the ship was actually owned uh, by a Russian entity, mm. um, even though Swan Atlantic is not a Russian company, um, but the, the layers of complexity were quite quite diverse. Um, however, the owners were not able to take delivery of the ship, so the ship was actually put up for auction, and Swan Hellenic, thankfully, were the, the rightful bidders, and they did get to keep the ship that was uh, intended for them. And, oh, sure. Yeah, all things are good, and uh, their scheduled cruises from 20 July will go ahead as planned with the first one heading up to the Arctic. Oh, it does sound good, though, to be able to you know be back with uh, Swan Hellenic. It's a reborn brand that we've been covering yeah. uh, for the last few years, actually, since it... Um it was rumoured. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's it for the cruise news this week, Chris. It's uh, quite short, well, which is unusual. I have a little bit of information about T. Uh, Mariotti, if you'd like. Oh, okay. uh, it was founded in 1928, and mm. it's now one of the leading construction companies for ultra-luxury cruises and mega yachts. So that there would make sense as to why Seabourn's using them for their um, particular uh, yep. the design and, and construction of that particular ship. So there we are, another little... Um, <laughs> maritime history snippet at the end of the podcast this time. Love it, love it. Yeah. Um, Chris and listeners, I am not available next week, so unfortunately there won't be a podcast. I am going cruising, but I'm going cruising with a difference. Chris, I'm going on a houseboat. I'm a taking houseboat. The, it's a school holidays here, so I'm taking the kids and we're off looking for dolphins and hopefully uh, fishing Goodness. for crabs and things. And uh, I'll be sure to be putting some uh, images up because uh, I'm hoping it's going to be a great experience. Whereabouts um, is that cruising to? It's uh, out of um, Mandra, or just south of Mandra. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, sure. So So, uh, I guess we can expect to see some pictures of Captain Baz with his big cruise podcast merch on. Of course, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, we've never done a houseboat in Australia. We've done them in in Europe in the past. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we just thought it would be a nice little uh, weekend getaway. So check the podcast socials for for pictures if you're interested. That's brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm a bit envious now because I'm going to be sort of hanging around uh, not cruising. So I will, uh, I'll enjoy watching your, your videos when you, when you come back. Sounds great. And, of course, we'll be back the following week with uh, a double mixture of cruise news, a bit of maritime history. And if anybody has got a question, don't forget, send it in via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com in the top right-hand corner. Click on Join the Show. Sounds Chris, great. as always, thank you very, very much, mate. We will speak to you in two weeks. Sounds good, Baz. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.